Hey everybody and welcome back to the Steam Machine Podcast. My name is Dalton and joining me as always is my good buddies. Yo, this is Nathan. Hey, it's Willie. What's up? And this week we played a spoopy game. But before we get to that shit. Um, spoopy without the S. Quick at the beginning before I forget because I have it marked on the notes. Spoopy without the S. <laughs> that took me a second. <laughs> that, was, that was good. Um, quick shout out to Jeff, uh, up to his Patreon. So appreciate you. Good, sir. Yeah, ooh, thanks, um, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so before we get started, I have had this like weird thing on my mind lately. And I think it's because, um, I got this weird hair up my ass to watch the stone cold, uh, what is it called? The, no, I'm sorry. The broken skull sessions on the WWE network which is now on Peacock, is this weird thing. But, like, it, basically, you used to pay $9.99, you got access to the WWE Network. Now, you can go pay $9.99 for Peacock and get ad-free WWE Network plus a whole bunch of other shit, which I haven't even looked at. Like, literally, all I've gone and looked at is WWE. But my buddy Chris from um, Doki Doki Literature Club episode fame, he... Uh, gave me his Peacock information. So shout out Chris, you the man. Um, and so I went on there and I started watching the Broken Skull Sessions, um, which is just Stone Cold basically interviewing somebody for about an hour or so. And just watching these made me want to watch some wrestling. So I was like, you know what? I went and I went back on Raw and I picked 1999 and I started from January of 1999. And holy fucking shit, the roster that they had back then. Now, I know both of you guys were WCW guys, so we'll get there because that whole thing was going on and everything. But this was after they had started beating, uh, yeah. or it was like early in 99. I actually watched the episode where Mankind won the world title on Raw. And I was like, oh, fuck. This is the night when they were like, oh, yeah, they spoiled it on Nitro. And they're like, that'll put butts in seats. And everyone changed the channel to see Mankind win the title. And that was the end. It was like from then on, WWE started winning. It was like WCW fucked themselves with that. But. Um, I for I haven't watched it a lot recently. I've just been catching ca- clips recently. But like there for the past few years, like when before Ryan moved up to New York, and uh, the crew had kind of split away. We used to have this big solid group of people who would come over every month, and we would barbecue and grill and stuff and watch the pay per view. And like I would get into it, and I had the people that I really liked that wrestle. Um, but dude, watching nineteen ninety nine again. The people on the mid-card in 99 were getting pops as big, if not bigger, than any of the top superstars these days. And oh yeah, it's just wild to me. I don't know if it's because there was such a wrestling boom and it was such a phenomenon in the 90s. With like, But the, the sheer star power of even the, mid, the mid-card. Godfather, Ken Shamrock, Steve Blackman, uh, Gold Dust. You know, all of these names... Um, were genuinely like bigger than anybody like now, and I don't mean to offend anyone. And, and there's there's exceptions like obviously AJ Styles on a different level. Um, Orton is kind of lumped in with the people I'm talking about because he started in the early 2000s. But like uh, you can't really compare the top guys today to The Rock, Stone Cold, Triple H, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, like. Mick Foley, like there, there are none of those dudes left, and it's 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 odd to me. I feel like that 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 should have been like a cyclical thing, or maybe it's just it's just got to keep going until another set of those come. 
I think the thing might be, too, is that Vince had gotten really good at pandering to our generation, and our generation kind of grew up, and they haven't really evolved into the current age demographic that would be into wrestling, because when we were teenagers, they had the nail on the head there, and I don't think they've changed enough or in the correct directions to catch the people of that age range today. Oh, yeah. Well, they've they've definitely changed, but it was like the company went public and they became more PG. So if anything, they're shooting at a younger audience than they were back then. Like that demographic, they're get, they're trying to go for uh, you know the kids that are into Cena and all, and they they boo Baron Corbin and all of these bad you know all the boo the bad guys cheer the good guys like that's the demographic they go to. Whereas AEW, which full disclosure, I'm not a huge fan of AEW. It's all right, but it's just it's not really my thing. Um, they're shooting more towards what would have been the demographic that we fell in back then. But I'm curious, like who who really like captured y'all on WCW? Because like I I would watch WCW some, but I was more of a WWF kid. I think everyone when they first get into WCW was pretty struck by Sting. Like yeah, he had such a huge outsized energy, and um, I mean when we were first getting into it. I think that was when he was winding down the uh, the Crow Sting angle and the NWO Wolfpack was just forming where he'd become a part of that. But like the fact that he was able to pull off these, you know, melancholy characters like the Crow one and some of the later TNA versions with like, but sometimes he was the big, you know, he's usually the surfer, happy-go-lucky guy, which he brought a lot of that energy back for the Red Sting in the NWO Wolfpack. Like, I don't know, he was someone you immediately saw and you saw, hey, he's putting a lot of energy into everything he's doing. He's a lot of fun to watch. Like, his matches tend to involve a lot of cool signature moves that, um, you know, like, I mean, at the time, hey, Stinger Splashes, man, it's fun. It's a fun move, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and plus, along with that, there were wrestlers that the WCW had pulled in that the WWF had lost at that point. Like, they were bringing in Hogan, Macho Man, and a bunch of, like, Macho Man was my favorite wrestler as a little kid, so yeah. when he went to WCW, I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to watch WCW. It's Macho Man. and For sure. And then, like you said, like you were talking about the good WWE mid-carters, the WCW had some incredible mid-carters, because if you think about it, like, all the cruiserweight division back then was pretty much mid-card, so you had yeah. Jericho, you had Rey Mysterio, you had even people like Super Calo, Eddie Guerrero, like, all these people were freaking fantastic, and then, like, in the main heavyweight division, you had, like, Diamond Dallas Page, Sting, Randy Savage, then, to a lesser extent, like, Goldberg, and people like that that were just... I don't know, just really enjoyable. And then, of course, I always liked um, Scott Hall, too. <laughs> uh, dude, I have championed Scott Hall for ages, dude. I love that motherfucker. I put him in my top ten. Or maybe he's, like, number 11. Because he is fantastic. He's like, a great stage presence. Yeah. Hey, yo. Like, just... Yeah, WCW, too, had, like... I think that was what hooked us in the beginning, especially, was a lot of the WWF cast-offs that we remembered as kids. Because you said, like, Hogan and Savage are huge names, obviously, and they were doing something completely different I mean, at that time. Flair. And it was like, they had guys like Flair, Bret Hart, like, they had all the guys that, like, five years ago had been considered, like, the top guys in the world. So it's like, well, these guys have the credibility, let's see what they're bringing to the table themselves. Yep. And you start watching and you're like, okay, so they got this Sting guy, this Diamond Dallas Page guy, this Goldberg guy, all these guys that are coming up. And you watch the just little matches, and it's like, you know, Dean Malenko versus Psychosis, and they're putting on these, like, crazy matches that you weren't seeing when we were just watching, you know, the big the big bodybuilder guys slam into each other back in the day. That There was, like, a more of a sports-style aspect to it that I thought was fun to watch. Word up. Word up. 
I think what's what solidified it for me, man, was I went to a WWE. Well, you know, it's WWE, it was WWF back then, but WWE show in Gainesville, and it wasn't even the main event. But I have Polaroids still. And I had completely forgotten about this until I saw all these Polaroids and all these memories came flashing back to me that I got to see Undertaker versus Ric Flair, right? Damn. And Ric Flair, by the end of that match, was a bloody fucking mess. And, like, he did not have to do that for some random house show <laughs> in Gainesville because it wasn't a Raw. It wasn't a tape show. It was just some house show. And he got, like, his hair was all red. His face was the crimson mask. You know what I'm saying? It was wild, and then uh, Rick Flair had done so much blading back then. I don't even think it was intentional anymore. It was just natural for him to pop open like that. Yeah, right. Taker probably just gave him one good punch to the forehead, just splits it all. (laughs) Toby Flair was also kind of famous for giving it his all in matches, even if they weren't televised. Like he loved to do sixty minute draws on random house shows. But in yeah, what you said, Nate, you just barely tapped him, like. You remember, uh, I think it was WCW Uncensored 99, he had a cage first blood match with Hogan, and he popped open in the first couple minutes, and they had to scramble to make it no longer a first blood match. (laughs) I remember this because it happened in Louisville, Kentucky, which is my hometown, and that makes me happy, even though it was probably not a very good show. When I was watching the uh, the Stone Cold Sessions with with Ric Flair, he was talking about the match he had with Taker, um, and I assumed that the house show that i saw was them getting ready to do this match for a pay-per-view you know because he said that he was he didn't have his confidence and he was kind of nervous about the match but once taker hit him with this certain boot and this is how flair put it he goes but once he kicked me and i rolled to the outside and i was home (laughs) (laughs) and it just made me the way he did the little whistle like that's just any it's funny because how many of these old wrestlers when they reference giving themselves the blade job they do that they just go (laughs) and uh but yeah man and flair's great so also on that card was edge versus jericho and the main event was kane versus kurt angle jeez dude okay and it was it was a really good and there was some and that was actually the show too that i watched randy orton wrestle hardcore holly before randy orton ever debuted on tv so this would have been after ovw but before debuting on WWE television. But That's wild. I'll never forget during the main event, Kurt Angle is walking around talking shit to the kids before the match starts. And uh, it's talking shit to everybody. And he walks up to this kid and he goes, I'm your Olympic gold medal hero. What do you think of me, young child? And he holds down the microphone and this little black kid went, you suck, motherfucker. <laughs> and I about, and he just started how, so this is how you are in Florida, huh? You just let your children talk like this? Gainesville, I am disappointed in you. <laughs> and uh, also one one other quick little memory is uh, during the Jericho match, everybody was chanting Jericho sucks, Jericho sucks. And, uh, and, and I apologize now, but everybody was also chanting Y2K. And uh, he... Welcome to the he, past, Yeah, man. welcome to 10, 15 years ago, yeah. And he gets on the microphone and he just goes, I do not suck! Gainesville sucks! The Gators suck and you all suck the most! And he slams the microphone down, turns around, gets hit with a spear pin, one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it was, Beautiful. it was awesome. Uh, blew the lid off the place, man. It was a good show. But, uh, the, the reason I wanted to bring this up, like wrestling in general and stuff, is like, when I was younger, 
uh, I was always like the shy kid. Didn't really like want to go out and try to do anything. Talk to a girl, pursue sports, anything like that, right? And there was this moment that I was watching Jeff Hardy climb up what they proclaimed to be a 20-foot ladder. I don't know exactly how tall it actually is. But it was one of the really, really big ones that they get. And he's standing on the top of it. And he's just looking out over the crowd. And he just gives his little, you know, the little Hardy hand symbol. And dives off that motherfucker. And I thought to myself, dude, if Jeff Hardy has the gall to jump off that ladder... And smacked the ground where the dude rolled out of the way. (laughs) And he just crashed into the mat. Then, like, I can tell that girl that I have a crush on her. Right? As weird as that's a, you know, that's a weird thing. It's just like, nah, I could do that. Or it was like, if Kane has the gall to start talking. Like, I was super into it back then. I didn't realize it was fake. You know what I mean? So I'm like, if Kane can talk, then I should be able to talk to girls. And I think that... That really helped with my confidence growing up. As weird as it sounds, like wrestling helped me uh, open up and be more uh, social, I guess is the word. It didn't help me with my vocabulary, obviously, but let me tell you something, brother. It helped me <laughs> in other places. <laughs> anyways, anyways. I hate to say it like this because it's going to sound like I'm being patronizing, but I actually think that's a really sweet story, you know? Like, it just it feel good in a way, you know? I don't think that is patronizing, man. Like sometimes people do not like being called sweet, you know. Eh, I, I get called sweet a lot actually, so it actually doesn't bother me much. Um, I'm also called asshole a lot, so it's a weird dichotomy of both. You're a sweet I'm asshole. A, what can we say? It's two flavors that don't work well. I'm together. Like those chocolate assholes that you can order, like the little molds. Yeah. Um. All right. Don't make me hungry. We're podcasting. Uh, oh, the only other thing I wanted to bring up. Um. So on the on the poll recently was a game called hatred um and i so i'm probably that's probably not going to show up on a poll anymore that's a very controversial game and i'll probably end up doing a patreon episode one day about that probably just me uh just talking about it um but but um so real quick the purpose of the game is basically you play a dude who's had enough with society and just goes on a fucking killing spree and it's a uh it's an adult only game um now, knowing knowing that that is the concept and what you do in the game, here are some Steam reviews for you. <laughs> a good game to play with your family, Christian friends, and girlfriend. Also, th- this game may <laughs> teach you one thing or two about how friendships work and how to make friends. I give it a rainbow out of ten. <laughs> now, this next one is more along the lines of how the game is actually. It says, the child who is not embraced by the village will burn it down to feel its warmth. That's a hardcore Yikes. statement, right? <laughs> so, this one says, pew, 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 bang, bang, ah, uh, please have mercy, God, have mercy, I don't. So, some of these some of these are weird, okay, but it's very therapeutic and serene game that heals the mind and spirit <laughs> on rainy days. My only gripe is that the rich, Oscar-worthy story is too short. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> he tipped his hand in the end there. For a moment, I was genuinely worried about the guy. <laughs> <sighs> okay here's here's the last one this game has allowed me to get closer to my friends the beautiful story about family friendship and love is truly something else this game right here is one of the absolute best stories in gaming with a relatable main character and stupendous voice acting i will show this to my offspring and they will show it to their offspring hell we could show this to the entire world we could finally have unity <laughs> 
This reminds me of like these reviews well, remind me of like back when everybody was watching those Happy Tree Friend videos back in the day. <laughs> Dude, I remember Happy Tree Friends and Retarded Animal Babies. Those were the two that were on Newgrounds that I saw all the time. And like one was a spoof of the other. I just don't remember which one was which. I believe the Animal Babies was a spoof of Happy Tree Friends. But either way, same style, just over the top ridiculousness, gore, but. But everything just pretends to be happy-go-lucky. I don't know why you need a spoof on something that's already kind of spoofing. You know what? It was Newgrounds. Yeah. It was a different time. <laughs> yeah, it was Flash Animation Days, man. It was it was the Wild West. It was all stick death and stuff. People just love their random gore. Vintage internet, I <laughs> Yeah, Isn't that weird to think about? Like, Flash is gone now. Like, there's a whole era of... Now, I do have a Newgrounds emulator that somebody made that specifically only works for Newgrounds links. So, like, anything on Newgrounds that you want to watch flash-wise or play games, like, this emulator will run. But other than that, I haven't found anything else. So, I think E-Bomb's world's fucked, but... Good. But apparently, <laughs> the Newgrounds people have done some work on, uh, like, archiving stuff, too, and trying to preserve it for future, you know, for future internet people, which I think is cool, because... Even if I didn't love everything that was on Newgrounds, I really appreciate that that's where a lot of people got their start in, like, creating their own content and posting it out there in a world before, like, everyone could make a YouTube video, for instance. Yeah. Like, people were making these simple games, simple animations, music, and all that, and, you know, being able to put it out there, and I don't know, I think that's neat. And I thought that it even, you know, it was cool that they had, like, the review system where if, like, everyone hated a game, they would go away, you know? The blam or whatever. Yeah. I, I liked the games on there. And that's the thing is that I know Newgrounds and, and E-Bombs World both were like known for other things. But I was on there for Flash games. Like I didn't really go and look at the, the weirder sides of those sites. Like don't get me wrong. I accidentally clicked adverts and, and had 20 pop-ups of titties <laughs> and stuff that I had to click out of. Um, but like I, I didn't enjoy I wish it. we would have been playing a Newgrounds Flash horror game this week <laughs> instead of Blair Witch Project. <laughs> Oh man, um, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. One, one other thing. One other thing, and we'll get in there. This is real quick. This is real quick. I hit a checkpoint on YouTube. Are you, do either of you know what oh. YouTube checkpoints are? No. So it's when you're watching these videos, and one will pop up in the related channel that is something that you can't search. Like it'll be like uh, because our like for instance, our keyboards can't type Japanese caricatures, so. In my related, I was I was listening to uh, relaxing old game music, and this one video popped up that was all Japanese caricatures. So I clicked on it, and it's like this screen with like old school windows, like vines looking things going across it, and it plays. I want to say it's a song from one of the Donkey Kong games, uh, because it's really good, and I know that like, those series have really good music. <laughs> And everyone in the comments is like, "Hey, welcome to the YouTube checkpoint. How are you? How are you doing? Like, you know, how's everything in life?" And people literally leave, like, "Yo, I found this checkpoint. Here's what's going on with me at this point in time." And I was reading through all the comments, so I left one. Huh? I've never heard that before. It's interesting. It's great. Yeah. Apparently, and there are some. There's just some videos on YouTube that, like, you can't. You search them. They just. They have to show up in your related videos. I like that until that last part where everyone just talked about their day, this started to sound like a creepypasta, and then it turned out to be more of a, a comfort pasta. Yeah, to it's totally like one of the like nice, pure things on YouTube, which is rare. <laughs> oh, speaking of 
things that are pure. Okay, so Mike, Mike, shout out to Factory Sealed. I love you guys. Um, if you're listening to this, bud, this is payback for when you shit on Terra Nigma. <laughs> because uh, I'm not gonna lie to you, listeners. I didn't like this game very much at all. Uh, I'm I'm gonna let you guys uh, kind of give your overview thoughts, and then I'm just gonna read my notes that I wrote because I, I put down my notes this week as a stream of conscience, just typing what I was thinking. So I really hope that this makes sense and hopefully you guys can help me make sense of it if it doesn't. So I'll but, kind of roll, <clears throat> roll in first with mine just because I feel like I probably have the least to say here, yep. but like I haven't played a lot of modern horror games. So this is like kind of my first foray into jumping into it and being like, this is going to be a good time, right? No, it wasn't. So the game was really slow and confusing at the beginning, and I just <laughs> it got really tiring fast of spending an hour and ten minutes, I counted, of walking in the same circle, not knowing where to go in the game. I eventually found out where to go from there, but it was just, until then I was like, this is the same thing I've been doing for the last 30 minutes, the same thing I've been doing for the last 40 minutes, just like, blah. I only ran into like one monster the whole time I was playing, wasn't scary, didn't jump. I thought the atmosphere was all right. You know, it was okay. But to me, it felt a lot less being in the woods as opposed to being in the tree line in the subdivision. Because I just never really felt like it was... Like, I hike and stuff, so I've been in the woods. Didn't feel like really being out in the woods to me. There was too much open plains, grass fields with no trees around. Like, what's going on here? Um... So, like, basically I can say I went in wanting it to get scared and having that experience, but I left feeling more frustrated than anything and wishing there was more to it. And like I said, I'm not so familiar with modern horror games, but if this is how they're going to really go for me, I'm like, err. So, you know, just hoping uh, that when we play some more relevant titles, I'll get a better picture of, you know, modern horror. T- so, okay, so this is a very specific type of horror game where it's like a walking simulator horror. Um the type of horror games that I prefer um, are more like they give you weapons and you have to deal with, you know, f- shooting things or uh, I-, I hate to say zombies, but like just dealing with undead or um, supernatural type things. Um, but I want to have a way to deal with it. And you mean like a flashlight, you can shine at it. That no. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> A game, a game that was kind of like this, but did it better, in my opinion, was a game called Outlast. Have either of you heard of Outlast? Mm-mm. I should add that to the list. Uh, it's one of the few games that terrified the shit out of me. Um, I played it around the same time that I played PT, when PT was a thing on PS4. Which also, by the way, just anybody out there, PT was the scariest fucking thing I ever played. <laughs> Like, holy shit, that game was fucking terrifying. And it was just a playable teaser, that's what it stood for. And uh, I think people have recreated it in Unity, and now it's on PC, so I'll make a look into that. But, uh... You know, the only game I can really compare this to, as far as, like, a modern horror game, would be Phasmophobia. And Phasmophobia does a whole lot more for me than this does. (laughs) And... And and the thing without Outlast, the, the, the comparison I'm making, is they had a camera. You have a camera, and that's like... You're supposed to record stuff, and that's kind of how you, you see in the dark is your night vision, but you have to worry about finding batteries and such like that. But they, the enemies are different because you're in a derelict, old, run-down uh, 
uh, insane asylum, but it's like you're dealing with shit that's still in there. You know what I mean? And it's it's really it's a cool game. It's a cool game. Outlast does it well. Um, Blair Witch just didn't didn't grab me. Um, Willie, did you want to touch on anything, or you just want me to roll through this and then we can kind of compare notes? Tell you what, I'll hit my first note and then let you do yours because I think that we're going to end up hitting some similar themes afterwards. I just wanted to get out of the way and say some of the things I liked best about the game because um, this is not going to be a very positive review. All of us were kind of going into this um, like wanting to play a horror game but not wanting to play this game, if that makes any sense. Like, I feel like we all kind of we were excited to see the game come up in the thing and then we like looked into a little info about it, played it for like five minutes and we're like, oh boy, this is one of those. And um, I, I promise, I actually uh, wasn't feeling well the day before, or the day of our usual recording day, so I punted it back one more day. I hadn't played the game yet. I played the whole thing through today in one sitting, just so I would feel like I was more qualified to speak on it, and um, I do not feel like my time was well spent. But I'll, again, I wanted to lead in with the stuff I like. So one thing I'm really digging about this game is it uses... Um, it extensively uses binaural audio, which is that it's uh, it's stereo sound that's also pretty good at like giving you the location of things. And you've constantly got a dog companion around you named Bullet. Bullet is a good boy, and he's always making sounds, so it's a lot harder to get lost because he'll like make a few sounds, look around, kind of move around, and if you're not going anywhere for a while, he'll either kind of chill or he'll like start kind of going in one of the directions you should be going in. And um, I felt like. His presence was, um, oh, actually, honestly, the best part of the game. I think we're all going to end up probably saying that Bullet was the best part. Um, but there are also things I liked about the game interface. Um, so when you open the game, it opens up into a um, camcorder menu screen. And throughout points of time in the game, you're interacting with this uh, mid-90s camcorder and this mid-90s cell phone. And I think that those were really good decisions for this game. Set it in that time frame. Uh, there's a whole genre on YouTube called acoustic, or not acoustic, analog horror, where it's horror that's largely based on like 80s and 90s broadcasts before the digital change over to TV. And one of the things they really like to do there is, you know, use these not quite modern, but, you know, modern era devices that glitch out in really believable ways to give you like weird effects. That you can't tell if it's something wrong with the tape or if it's something wrong with, you know, like the world or whatever, you know, like the kind of glitch effect, like the, the movie VHS is kind of a, similar to that if you've ever seen that analog horror is uh, good stuff dude yeah i would highly recommend uh who was that gemini is one of the cool ones and uh probably everyone watched marble hornets back in the day which was kind of one of the big starters it's like kind of where the slender man thing got started from i'm not sure how that well that one holds up but it was it was it was big there's a name of one that's like a channel that like plays like a tv channel type thing but there's glitches uh, local 58 yeah yeah amazing yes that's the best one that is actually the best analog horror channel. It's made by Chris Straub, who also does the webcomic Chainsaw Suit. And um, dude has just great concepts. And he doesn't feel like he has to upload constantly. He only uploads when he has like a, an interesting short film to put up. Yeah. Really good stuff. Highly recommend. Local 58. Um, so I like the analog horror stuff. But then the game kind of fumbles up really badly when it's like you find camcorder tapes in the forest. And then... I mean, I'll, I'll have to explain why that bothers me a little bit more later, but you find the tapes, watch them, and then if you rewind the tape, it causes changes in the world, which is it, it, a little dubious to me, and I think I should uh, hand over to Dalton now so I can kind of introduce some of the things that didn't work. Okay. <clears throat> Here is my wall of words. 
I hope you all enjoy. So, I totally respect where this game wanted to go. The story was cool. Um, but I feel like this story would have done better in a game not called Blair Witch. Uh, I went into this expecting something along the lines of the first most mo known movie, but it focused more on the main character's PTSD and past trauma than it did the actual horror that I was looking for. Uh, I totally understand mental horror. It's one of my favorite genres of movies and things like that. I, I get mental horror like or, or you know anything like that. Um, I just feel like that this got really convoluted and really didn't have any good ways of wrapping up. Um, there's like three ways to beat the game and none of them are good, but it's like, were, were you a guy with PTSD looking for a kid out of guilt because you shot that kid's brother? Like, were you Carver the whole time stuck in a vicious cycle because of the witch? Uh, is this hell for you because you actually shot yourself that day that you were looking at that gun and the witch represents the demon torturing you and you're having to live this cycle over and over and over again? Um, are you the child who's dreaming up a life about a twisted individual because you're being traumatized by being kidnapped and all the other stuff that's going on so you're disassociating? In any case, none of these are good fucking outcomes. None of these are good situations and none of these do a good job at letting people with PTSD know that like there is a good outcome for you. Like it doesn't have to end shitty. And in everything that I got from this game, it's it was like the best way to cure PTSD is to die. <laughs> like that's the best thing in the ending in this game is to you for for you to get killed. And it's like right off the bat it, to me when I went into this Blair Witch game, this is what I wanted. I wanted to go into the woods, okay, looking for the looking for the lost kid. That's fine. That's fine. I didn't ever want to find the kid, or if I did, I wanted it to be at the end of the game. But I wanted to just just wander in the woods and then let the creepy shit kind of happen as you're looking around. I didn't need a narrative. I didn't need a character that had PTSD. I, you know, it could have been a game where you were just a fucking teenager going out there because you heard about the Blair Witch legend and you were going to explore and then shit goes haywire. Your friends go missing and you're separated. You have to find your friends type thing. You know what I mean? They, they, there's so many different ways that they could have went with it, but they went with this weird mental health thing that I think just wasn't needed. It, it just, it didn't need to be there. Um, another gripe that I had with this game is that I fucking absolutely hate when games are overly dark. Now I get that that's like a big thing with this like that was its whole shtick was that you're in the dark woods and everything but like see i got these four eyes here and uh these glasses are old and scratched up and i need new ones and i don't see the best so it's like i i played this game for an hour and a half two hours or so and all i ever saw was bullet i never saw any enemies uh i never saw any of the jump scares or anything because i was literally always pointed down looking at bullet I was on my way to the best ending because I was ignoring everything and just staring at bullet. Like, where the fuck do I go? And I got to this certain point where I just started getting attacked and I'm looking around and there's nothing. And I was like trying to flash my flashlight and it wasn't doing anything. And I got killed and then I got killed again. And then I somehow got past that and just, it just, it didn't, it didn't grab me. I appreciate when games let you turn the brightness up a little bit. But like this game, I cranked the brightness all the way up and still couldn't see absolute dog shit. Or give me a light source, like instead of this little fucking flashlight, like give me a fucking 
light, a searchlight, you are looking for a fucking child, like, get a decent searchlight. Are you going out there with something that you'd be, like, looking under the shed with? Like, get the fuck out of here. That's just me, though. That's just me. But, like, but this game had a dog. It, it was it was a sweet dog. It was awesome. You could A, pet the dog, and B, give the dog treats, which is what I did most of the time in this game was like pet bullet, follow bullet, pet bullet, give bullet treat, pet bullet, follow bullet, pet bullet, give bullet treat. It's this vicious fucking cycle where I was like, okay, this is just run with my dog in the woods simulator at this point because I saw nothing scary. And the... Coincidentally, if someone wants to make Run With uh, My Dog Through the Woods Simulator non-scary edition and actually release that, I will play that for the show any day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like, uh, play long enough, you'll unlock different dog breeds. Yes. I did like yeah. that you could customize Bullet a little bit. Could you? What? I mean, it let me choose between four colors and four oh. colors. Yeah, okay. And four collars, I, I see that. It might be more than four collar colors. Huh. That's right. Uh, that's right. I do remember that now. Yeah, I just made mine look like a German Shepherd. I mean, I was I'm like the I, brightest dog I could, so I gave him the white. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I went with the light brown. I'm like, I need something I'd be able to see a little. <laughs> um, but I, dude, if I, I give it a four out of five, uh, four point five out of ten. Like it, it had premise. It was a decent engine. Um, I liked some of the ideas, but overall, I really think that the the mental health stuff could have been. Oh wait, you know I typed that wrong. I think I, that was supposed to be a three point five. Okay, so three point five out of ten. Like, I think that they could have left out the mental health stuff and gone a different way with this game, and it would have been a scarier, b less contrived, and just overall a better a better experience. Personally, I yeah. So I think that that's kind of where my main problem with the narrative really starts from. Like, I do think it's possible to have a story where a character has you know trauma or some kind of disorder and like i mean i'm pretty sure that the silent hill games make use of that at once yep. you know so it's like it's not to say that you can't have a game with an unreliable narrator with mental illness but you have to know how to work that in with like delicately good writing and this game just sells out for every possible trope that involves an unrelatable narrator with mental health problems like the, I, the reason i liked you know, when I first saw the Blair Witch Project movie, I think I think it was pretty well done for its time. It's been imitated a lot, and it probably doesn't bear a revisit today. But like when you watched it, it didn't show you very much at all. And every time you saw something, you're like, "Okay, did I see something? Did I imagine seeing that?" When the characters couldn't navigate around the woods, right? Was it because they're dumb teenagers or college students, or is it because something bigger is at work? But when you tell us right up front that your character is hallucinating, that they're unreliable, and all that. It immediately means any scary thing you see in the game, you just assume your character's hallucinating. Yeah. Like, it completely ruins the power of a paranormal mystery at all. Like, it, you're already in a video game, so that's one level of abstraction from reality, one level of fakeness. Now, the character you have in the video game is seeing something that's even within the video game fake. Now, you're already at twice fake, and it's already pretty hard to be scary from that. And again, it's not to say that that can't be handled well. The hallucinations in uh, Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem for the GameCube. Really well done, in part because a lot of the time they were clearly delineated, and when they weren't, they added intrigue and mystery because the story picked up and moved fast enough that you 
could you had some context for what was going on. This game slowly ladles out the story of a character you don't care about from the start and never come to care about. Yeah, and Eternal Darkness also broke the fourth wall in some wild ways, like pretending to yeah. delete your save files and shit. Like that was cutting edge back then and really impressive. Um, this game. My favorite thing about Eternal Darkness was I bought that game used, and when I finished the first chapter, I had, you know, if you don't have full sanity, you get, like, uh, sanity effects throughout the game. When I finished the first chapter, it popped up a screen saying, thank you for playing the Eternal Darkness Requiem, or Sanity's Requiem demo. Please order the full game. I was like, what? And I realized the game was messing with me, and I was like, you got me, Nintendo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I love that. Just a lot of the cool little sanity effects. Like, that game... If you guys haven't played Eternal Darkness, it's like an almost half of the game is as if you tried to build a video game based on the Psycho Mantis scene from Metal Gear Solid. It rules. But so the mental health thing, again, one of the problems I have with it is in the first like 20 minutes, you, or maybe 30, I don't know, but it probably happened to you guys in the playthrough. You find the camcorder and you rewind the tape and something it changes something in the world. And your guy's calling the other guys on the walkie-talkie and is like, hey, um, I found the tape. It showed the kid. Also, when you rewind the tape, something... And then he realizes he sounds like he's losing his mind. And at that point, you realize everyone thinks this guy's out of his mind. You think he's out of his mind. And it's no longer like, oh, I'm seeing some weird stuff out here. It's like, oh, I have a character who doesn't see the world the way everyone else does. Nothing I see I can expect to rely on. And I... Again, I, I, I don't think that it's impossible to make a game where a mental illness can be a part of a horror story. And I think that it's been done before better. This game does not do it because, like, okay, like I said, one, it's, it, it all rings false because of the way it's done. But two, it's like, you learn about your character over the course of the game, and it feels like they don't even trust you to pick up on the narrative. They double up on everything. You didn't just let, you know, your wife down. You also had to let your, you know, cop friends down. You don't just have survivor guilt from when you were a bad cop. You have previous survivor's kid uh, guilt from when you were a bad soldier. Like, the game just keeps on blasting you over and over with, like, I'm not sure they get it yet, while at the same time wanting to keep everything super ambiguous because they just don't have an actual story to tell that they want to stick to the game play you play about five or six hours about watching this guy with bad mental uh, in a bad mental state go through all this and it never has nothing interesting to say about mental states whatsoever like there's just no substance and the further you get into it when you get to the last four chapters that's when the game decides it really really thinks that it's sold the story to you and so it wants to just have one whole chapter where uh Spoiler slash meh, bad times warning, but um, at one scene, the dog does get injured, and you carry the dog forward for a while, and the game basically gives you the option to let the dog go. And if you do not want to do that, you have to walk in a straight line for approximately seven real-time minutes while your character is like slowly having his vision blur. And that's and the walls add more text, where at first they just say, like, sleeping and then they start saying let sleeping dogs lie and then they start saying let dying dogs die it's like that's that's not scary that's not cool that's just sad it's not even real sad it's it's emotionally manipulative but in a way that is so transparent that you don't get emotionally manipulated by it you just end up like okay game yeah okay game sure sure buddy sure and then the very last chapter has you you find a cabin in the woods and the chapter's called Cabin in the Woods. It's not the movie Cabin in the Woods. That would be fun. Um, 
but you're in this cabin in the woods and you just keep walking through the same six rooms over and over and they reconfigure their order as you walk through. And a lot of the time you're just looking down because if you look up, now looking at the monsters kills you instead of looking away or instead of looking at them helping you. And uh, they're also attracted to light and now you have to use your camcorder and flashlight all the time. Like you can't put them away anymore. And, or you can put them away but only together and you need the camera to know where things are. Yeah. Because at some point, the camcorder becomes your main viewfinder. Like you said earlier on, you couldn't see anything through the flashlight. And at one point, the game picks up on that. And it um, it gives you... Um, basically, you start seeing stuff through the camcorder. It's like almost like a radar. Like, it glows really brightly. And you'll be following that while just occasionally using your actual eyes. And it's a way to do it. That part wasn't... That part was, a, it was an okay mechanic. Although, when it starts having to do that, it starts making the game more mechanically demanding on you while everything is so finicky to you know interact with that it doesn't it it never feels like you succeeded because you did the right thing and it never feels like you know i I get you're not supposed to feel like you're winning you're supposed to be pursued by the witch and this guy carver who comes after you later on and is like this spooky guy who lives in the woods and causes problems but uh I don't know. The, the, the last chapter is just constantly sending you through the same six rooms of this cabin. And then you get your voices in your head. You see flashbacks to all this stuff that happened to your character. And you just don't care about any of it. And it's you're, you're always like, oh, is this real? And you're like, it's not real. You're an idiot. And I don't like you. <laughs> There's something also- that rings true to me that you brought up was about how the game tries to emotionally manipulate you. Like, I didn't play super far into it. But I did see it a lot where even in the beginning of the game, the game was just attempting to get into your head and emotionally manipulate you. And what I have to say about that is I am extremely easily emotionally manipulated. Like, I will cry at the end of a Disney movie. This game could not get into my head at all. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it was just like, uh, every time I saw something, I was like, uh. Everything is so ham-fisted. The moment you talk to your wife on the phone for the first time, you're like, Oh, you're going to spend the whole time almost but not quite reconciling, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like the... what what Kind of what they were going for... Or, okay, so here's... I take that back. Here's my interpretation. Uh, after, like, hearing what you guys... Well, most, mostly Willie, because, you know, he played further in it. But, like, what, what you're saying about, like, what you experienced with the gameplay and everything. So, like, I think that your character and his wife divorce. Or whatever. They're going through that. He shoots that other kid. He goes through, has the mental breakdown. Now, I lean more towards, I think he shot himself and he's in hell living this over and over and over. This is his come up, torture, come up, and whatever. But I also have this theory that he snapped, went, kidnapped this kid who was related to the other kid who caused all of this trouble that he's going through and everything, took him into the woods and killed him, then came out came out of whatever break he was having and then goes into the woods to look for him. And that's why there's the whole thing where he is Carver and all of that, because somewhere in his subconscious, he knows that Carver is him. And that's why there's a weird, that's the thing. It's so con. It's like kingdom hearts. (laughs) It's like trying to explain kingdom hearts. Um, I mean, that's a more interesting explanation than the straightforward one. And I think some of the text of the game does back it up. But I also think that if that's what it was going for, it did a really clumsy job with it in every way. Yeah. Just because oh. Carver is himself such a cipher that, like, he only really reads as either, like, he's what you're going to become or as a direct tool of the Blair Witch. Like, having it be that you are already him is... I mean, it makes some sense, but it 
it's still not satisfying. No, yeah, I, no, I agree. I agree. I also try to remember that this is a double A game and not a triple A game. So like, yeah. So I think this was a thirty dollar release, and I'm giving a lot of slack on certain categories because I think that you know the modeling and stuff feels like that. I mean, you I can say know. that, but how Go many ahead, times do you play indie games that just completely blow your mind that have a good emotional message to it? Like, play Celeste, a game that is barely made for anything above like a something with 16 bit graphics wise that game will make you feel emotions and handles mental illness in a very sensitive and good way yeah yeah i'm not giving the writing a pass when i'm saying it's a budget game i'm giving things like the graphics which kind of felt fairly not very well tuned stiff you know engine assets that a lot of things weren't there weren't really that many interesting sites yeah. to see. And I, I should not have gone into this thinking back to Resident Evil 7 because it's not fair to compare this to Resident Evil 7 because the budgets are far different for the, the amount of money that went into Biohazard as opposed to the Blair Witch, you know. But 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 Resident Evil is a better game in every way. Um, I just want to say that. I mean, I honestly think that Slender, the freeware game that was released like 10 years ago, that's basically walking through the woods with a flashlight looking for documents while Slenderman chases you. It's a very, very simple game, but I think it's a better game than this, too. Um, one game I wanted to mention, now this is a, this is another like controversial game, um, but when I was going through the Doki Doki, when I first played Doki Doki Literature Club and all of that, um, it led me to some other visual novels that were like out there you know what i mean and one of them is called saya no uta you ever heard of it the song of saya so it's a lovecraftian horror visual novel with erotic content Uh, and i think that's where it leans into the some of the 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 weirder side is the erotic content but i didn't i didn't beat it so i can't speak for the whole game but what i played of it um your main character has this weird thing where he got into his car wreck and now everything he sees is really really bizarre other than this one girl and that is saya he's she's the only one that looks normal to him everyone else looks like these grotesque monstrous creatures and stuff and it, and it handles like how this guy goes through with this this it, i think even this game is what i'm getting at handles stuff better than blair witch did so even a game that's basically almost like a half porn game <laughs> is still like uh, in its way of melding Okay, that not, no, far. I'm just saying it's it's not quite a hentai game. Like I think it's got okay. some scenes in it, but they're more story driven. I think if I remember right, if I remember right, I think that the big controversy is that the character doesn't look as old as she is, which is like par for the course with Japanese oh. games. <laughs> it's like, oh, that that four, that three foot five girl over there, she's five hundred years old. Yeah, like, not, not my yeah, exactly. Thing. It's just it's just one of those weird things, but uh. Like I said in the beginning, or towards the beginning, like if this game would have just been drop you in the woods with your friends, and then you maybe you get separated from your friends and have to find them, and that would Jesus Christ, I just knocked over a bunch of shit. That's gonna make all kinds of noise on the microphone. Scared the fuck out of myself there, Jesus. Um, I think I even think that would be a cool multiplayer aspect concept. Like take huh. four friends, drop them in the Blair Witch Woods, you guys are going and doing stuff, all of a sudden, boom, you get separated, there's fog everywhere, you gotta work on finding each other. You can't communicate. You just have to fucking find one another. Or all of you get killed. Yeah, that would be you know, that, a fun game to use that kind of like, phasmophobia style uh, in-game distance voice chat. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, cause you could... Like, that would be really cool. But, you know, it, 
It is what it is. I give it like a, like I said. I get that what they wanted to do was make a traditional horror narrative game here, but I think the problem is when you want to make a narrative game, you have to have a narrative you want to tell first. Yeah. And I just do not think that they came into this game with any ideas whatsoever. Yeah, I, I can't argue that. Sounds fair to me. And again, I'm willing to give a lot of ground to the horror genre. I understand it's, it's a tropey genre by necessity. Like, we've been seeing the same things for a long time. So if you have, like, slasher killer in the woods... Like, notice I'm not criticizing the character of Carver for existing, even though he's, again, a complete cipher. He pretty much just exists to menacingly chuckle at you and murder people. But I'm fine with that. That is just a horror thing that I'm used to and I'm good with. It's, I don't know, all the parts of the game that didn't... That not only did they not stick the landing, but they didn't set the bar very high for themselves in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh... Like I said, man, I can't argue with that. <laughs> is there uh, is there anything else? Anything else that you guys would like to touch on? I got nothing. <laughs> uh, first score in the game, I'm going to go ahead and give it a 3 out of 10. Um... I still think that there are things that it does competently. I like elements of the aesthetic. Uh, I still would like to praise it for the sound design. I thought that was yeah, pretty sound good. design was great. Um, I'll, I'll, I do agree there. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I'm only saying pretty good because I'm coming down so hard on the rest of the game that it feels weird to say it. Like this part was excellent because it starts to feel like you know when you say a band has a really good drummer when everyone else criticizes them. <laughs> huh. But uh, I mean, it's just it really doesn't deliver the scares. It doesn't feel good to interact with and. I found the writing so tedious that it actively pulled me out of what could have been scares in the game in the first place. So I, I would say three things. Yeah, for me, like I said, I went in wanting a scare and just was left wanting more. I thought the graphics were all right. The sound design, like y'all said, pretty good. Pretty good sound design. The graphics left me wanting a little bit. And that's not because it was a 2A developer. That's because it was so dark <laughs> that you couldn't see what they had done. Mm -hmm. Um, the parts that I could see I thought looked fairly good like there was a part where you come up to a truck and it was filled with vines and stuff you're like oh that's pretty neat looking but at the same point like there was just so much times you could not see what was going on that it was just yeah yeah you know I and mechanically I didn't think it played that well to be honest like it gave you all these commands that you could do with the dog but I don't think they worked essentially well the only one you really yep. ever used was seek or come and pet. Come. Uh. Pet. Pet and come. So, Red Rocket, Sparky. Red Rocket. Red Rocket. Now that you mentioned visuals, though, I will say there were a couple of cool-looking things I saw in the game. I did give it a really quick, like, nah. But now that you mentioned vines, I remember that there was a moment where the big white tree had all these, like, weird pulsating vines shooting up to it in a weird way. And it was like, that was just creepy enough where it was like, hmm, okay, this, is, this might be going somewhere. It doesn't do as much as I'd like, but... Yeah. yeah, it was a cool look. A cool scene. Yeah, so to rack it up, I decided to give it a 3.5 out of 10, even though I didn't play it that much. Uh, but one full point of that is for the dog. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, damn, there was something I was going to bring up, and now I don't remember what it was. Oh, well, it doesn't matter, I guess. Um, That wraps up Blair Witch. And... Uh, Hopefully the next horror game we play is a little better. Hopefully so. We can only hope. Um, so the next game up, good gentlemen, I believe, is Portal 2. Yay! Yeah. I don't know how that managed to happen this soon after Portal 1, but I'm for it. I'm for it. Uh, we got that. And then on the Steam Machine 
podcast discord we end the show poll with the new show poll that is up now and if you want to join the discord please by all means check out our website go to the steam machine podcast.wordpress.com and click on the little button that says discord and it will give you a invite to the server you can come join come join and uh vote on what you want to hear on the polls uh, they're going to be changing up a little bit but only how often they come up and it'll give you a little more time to vote on each one basically is what we're what i'm going for with hopefully the way that i can structure things we shall see um but your choices as of right now for the next poll after portal 2 um is octopath traveler doom from 2016 uh the crash insane trilogy uh crash bandicoot 2 specifically um flat out 2 and the forest now if i had my pick flat out 2 would win um but that will never happen so i threw my vote towards doom Uh, i'm ready to suit shoot some shit and don't get me wrong don't get me wrong i really want to play octopath traveler but not right now (laughs) if it wins if it wins i'll play it but I would much rather play Doom or Crash or Flat Out or the Fort. I would rather play any of the other games other than Octopath <laughs> Traveler right now. Uh, Not any knock on Octopath, but it's just because we did come off of six weeks in a single RPG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No knock to Octopath at all because I am truly looking forward to playing that. Oh, I, I played some of it on my Switch, but uh, I haven't really fucked with it much on PC. And it was one of those games that uh, when I was with my, my ex-girlfriend that I would be sitting in a little ball at the end of the bed, curled up with my Switch, playing Octopath, and she'd be like eyeing me because I'm not just laying there watching Rick and Morty for the thousandth fucking time with it. <laughs> but let's not go there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so anyway, yeah, please uh, check out the website. Uh, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That would be fucking wonderful. Um, I don't think we've gotten any here recently. Uh, but... Anytime you leave one, I'll try to remember to shout you out because we do appreciate them. It helps us rise up those ever, ever growing ranks of gaming podcasts. Nate, good sir, would you like to plug your stuff? Oh, yeah. You can uh, follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash turtlebearman, where I recently just finished Dragon Quest Three, and now I'm going to have to figure out games to play again every week. So good luck to me on that. And then you can also follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash turtlebearman. And real quick, you have never ever drive to, right? Yeah. Yep. So there's a game that I would like to watch you stream at some point, but we, uh, it I think it's called Stanley: The Search for Doctor Livingston, if I remember correctly. It's a game that I had as a kid, and brother, uh, I've played it even now and cannot figure out how to play it. <laughs> uh, I loved it as a kid, just running around and doing stuff. But cannot for the life of me figure out what the fuck you're supposed to be doing so i think it would be an interesting to see if you could figure it out show show me the way senpai <laughs> i'll keep that uh, in mind i'll keep that in mind <laughs> w- willie would you like to plug your dormant social medias <laughs> yeah uh so if you need me you can find me in the woods possessing teenagers into tying twigs and <laughs> tree bark together into crude little horrifying shapes um if you don't have woods, you could go to twitch.tv slash icebrandstudios or twitter.com slash icebrandstudios. I'm not really there, but I'm, you probably won't find me in the woods. It's a big place, man. I kicked the map into the fucking river. 
I wondered if you would say that this episode. <laughs> You've been holding on to that, hoping for a smooth transition, and we never you robbed did, it up for you. You did, so sad. <laughs> um, also, if, uh, while you're on the website, um, there are buttons for both of their Twitches now. So you can click nice. Nate's Twitch and Willie's Twitch, and it will take you to the respective platforms where you can throw them a follow. Um, there's also one, I think, that just says Twitch. I might have changed it to Dalton's Twitch. I don't fucking uh, remember, did, but did. that'll take it. I did okay, so that'll take you to mine. Uh, where I I haven't been streaming much lately. Um, I mean, I need to get back into it. I've just been, well, lazy after work. To be honest with you, <laughs> come hold it up, like, man. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Uh, I've been pretty wiped out lately myself. Plus, dude. I was I was very like, man, do I really want to stream Dragon Quest Eleven for the next? six weeks because it had taken multiple streams like because i would have wanted to beat it on stream if i started it on stream uh i think if you started streaming that game you were going to have to play every minute you played the game on stream and it was going to kill you inside yeah yeah yeah. and people would have seen me cheat towards the end because i was like i want to see what the end of these mini medals are and i don't want to track them all down so here let me click cheat towards the end didn't you say you hacked in perfectionist pearls that are very oh yeah, yeah, yeah well perfectionist pearls yeah that's because I, dude, I did my time with crafting on that game before enough, on Switch. Plenty of pearls I have sank, so I was like, I want enough to sink however many I need to. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, dude, Portal 2 should be real fun. Um, after Portal 2, we did. have you decided? Did you, have you picked? Yes. Uh, after Portal 2, we will be playing Gato Roboto. Yeah! Right, so because I want to give go. us that... I don't think you huh? told me this yet. Yeah. You haven't told so I me that I want to give us that yet. shorter experience that we can all like enjoy. I might even stream that one just because it is such a good game. And I know I don't normally stream Steam Machine games because I don't like to commit to that long of a game on stream. But that one feels pretty good for it. For sure. Yeah, the uh, that ought to be fun, man. It's one that I've always eyed but never actually played. So I think y'all will dig it. It'll be cool. I uh I've started narrowing down what my choices are gonna be for for uh my pick, but uh it's still a, it's still a, a very vast choice pool. So um and of course I have to remember like I shouldn't pick a sixty hour RPG <laughs> the first go. Now maybe my second or third I'd be like, all right, listen, this hasn't come up. I want to play Dragon Age or something like that. But you know, for for now. I'll keep I'll keep them short. Promise. Of Doom 2016 wins, it's going to ruin some couple. of Willie's picks for his. I was actually about to say something like that. If, if Doom 2016 wins this one, it's going to change what I end up uh, voting for for sure. Uh, dude, you know I've <clears throat> I've had Doom 2016 for a, like a long time now, and uh, I think I've played maybe like 30 minutes of it. So like I'm really looking forward to diving into that if it wins. So. Yeah. Not to uh, sway your vote, but if I could grease the palm of some politicians here and tell you that I'd really like to play Doom, <laughs> good listeners that this are in the Discord. Podcast now. <laughs> it's Doom on you. You could be a Doom. Welcome to the Cyber Demon Machine. <laughs> <laughs> My name's and welcome. <laughs> yeah anyway i i'm just fucking rambling at this point thank you all for listening they are the brothers of destruction willie and nate my name is dalton and as always guys take it easy
I like that we all did a hand sign there at the end as if our listeners could hear it. Just so they know, we mean them farewell, Foxy. I should stop recording now, shouldn't I?